Hello, and welcome back to Big Red Huddle. This is our third episode uh, where we talk all things Husker athletics. Uh, today, we're going to get into some uh, of the Polynesian Bowl that happened uh, light, late last night over in Honolulu, Hawaii. Uh, we're going to talk about some football, some staff, uh, staff announcements, some staff changes that were announced this week. Going to get into uh, some new additions that are coming to the program. Uh, we'll wrap up with uh, some uh, quick segment on Nebraska basketball. Hit on some national storylines. We'll probably go about 30 minutes today, but really enjoy everybody tuning in uh, again for, for just our third episode. Uh, we remain on Twitter, X, at Big Red Huddle. Please interact. Uh, got a lot of good feedback last week. Uh, appreciate the dialogue. If there's something you guys are looking to hear about, want to understand more about, please please let me know. Again, just doing this for, for entertainment purposes on my side gives me the opportunity to interact with other uh, individuals who have similar likes, interests, and, and really everything uh, Husker Athletics. Again, we are on Apple iTunes, Spotify, YouTube. Got the website up and running, BigRedHuddle.com. We have the we have the podcast linking directly uh, into into the website now as well, which is which is kind of a, a neat feature. So plenty of different ways to consume content. Um, and as always, if if there's anything you want to hear, read, or see, uh, please let me know. Uh, as as we're just kind of getting up and going on on this end. So with that, let's let's huddle up. Uh, we're going to start with last night's Polynesian Bowl. Kind of a late, uh, late uh, uh, game for those of us in on the Central Time Zone. Kicked off at eight, wrapped up a little after eleven o'clock. We had Dylan Raiola, Carter Nelson, and Preston Tuamoa uh, featured in the game. Uh, really difficult to get a lot from these games. You you got to think these kids come in town uh, late Sunday, check in. They got three, four days of practice. Never played with this group of individuals. Think about from a quarterback perspective, trying to get some of those route trees um, and some of those connections down. Uh, overall, Dylan, 7-15, 111 yards, a touchdown interception, had some really nice passes uh, there in the second half. One early in the first half, actually, to Carter Nelson. One late in the second half that touchdown uh, went for about 40 yards uh, right over the middle, hit the kid in stride. I think it went for just over 40 yards, touchdown. Um what what I really take from this though is more of the behind the scenes stories and behind the scenes things that you you see coming out of this game. Uh, Dylan's everything that we thought he was. Obviously, uh, physical physical attributes are really unmatched by anybody else in this class. Um, he showed that off. What Dylan's success is going to come down to the intangibles reading defenses, um, staying within the offense, uh, leading his team, um, all those things that you can't measure with a tape measure or a stopwatch. From everything I've heard, from everything we've seen, he has all of those. Um, now it's just about getting him on campus and, and developing that. Uh, a couple of the quotes that came out of this week were really encouraging. Um, obviously, he enjoys himself in Honolulu. Um, that's where his dad was born, grew up. He's got a lot of, you know, his heritage is there on the island. But, you know, he, he continued to say that he's he, he's over the um, the glitz and the glamour of recruiting, over all of the storylines, and just ready to get into Lincoln, uh, prepare with his teammates, um, and get ready for spring ball. So I think he's got the right mindset. Um, Carter Nelson, on the other hand, uh, 11, you know, playing 11-man football for the first time. He obviously played two weeks ago in the Army All-American Bowl. 
uh, it's a huge adjustment going from eight man to 11 man, not necessarily the strategy of the game, but just the physical nature of, of those individuals that you're going up against for the first time. Um, I was thoroughly impressed in, in both the army all American bowl, but he took even a giant, a bigger leap here in the Polynesian bowl, which you could argue the talent was, was higher out in Hawaii than it was down in San Antonio. Um, he won't be an early enrollee. He's going to finish out uh, there in Ainsworth, uh, finish his basketball season. He's going to do some track in the spring, finish the game, three receptions, 65 yards. But probably the most impressive thing for me uh, in watching Carter in this game was um, he, he, he's proven that he belongs on this stage. And not only that he belongs, but he's really an alpha among uh, those, those individuals at that game, which are some of the biggest stars coming out of the 2024 class. Uh, tons of effort, wants to learn. You can tell as he's going through practice reps, if he doesn't do something perfect, he's, he gets frustrated on himself, not in a bad way, but just looking to perfect his craft, perfect what, what he's doing. Uh, very coachable, looking for feedback. Um, probably the biggest thing that come out of this game is it gives Dylan and Carter an opportunity for a week to bond as, as future teammates. They're, they spent a ton of time together off the field, um, started to develop some chemistry on the field. It's no secret Carter Nelson was very close and is very close to, to Danny Caitlin. Um, I think Caitlin's going to be a big part of this team in the future, maybe not 2024, but in the future. So glad that he stuck with us. But Dylan's the the presence uh, or the present and um, really encouraging to see those two kick, uh, hit it off, uh, start to develop that chemistry. While Carter Nelson might not be your starting tight end in 2024, make no mistake, he's going to have a role on the team, probably not as an inline traditional tight end, but more split out. You could see his catch radius this weekend. You could see um, his soft hands, his ability to get upfield once he catches the ball. So just really encouraging week overall for uh, Dylan Rayola and Carter Nelson out in, in Hawaii. So Dylan will be on campus. Uh, this weekend, I, I think he, he comes in late Sunday, starts classes on Monday. Obviously, he'll get acclimated and get into winter conditioning immediately. Carter Nelson will go back to Ainsworth, and, and he'll report in early June. And then the third individual, which kind of gets lost in, in the headlines with Dylan and Carter, is Preston Tuomoa. He's number one player out of Hawaii. He's going to come to Lincoln in June. Uh, really interesting recruitment here. He he came over to the mainland uh, May June timeframe last year, took several official visits. Uh, really ex nationally, everybody expected him to go to Oregon. Um, he's even said in some interviews he expected to go to Oregon, as in Nebraska was more of an afterthought visit. But thought you know as he's making his trek, hit somewhere he should check out. Fell in love with the place. Uh, really hit it off with. Uh, Raiola, the offensive line coach, who, who obviously is also from Hawaii, um, he, he suffered a, a pretty devastating knee injury, com, came back from that, didn't play a lot this year, was really interested to see what he would look like in the game. It's hard to judge offensive linemen in, in, in any game, quite frankly, but especially an all-star game where it's, it's fairly traditional one-on-one. -on -one. Offensive lines, five against four. There's no blitzes, no blitz packages or anything like that. Um, he, he looked good, but again, tough to tough to, to grade anything out there too much. He's been described to me as, as a road grader. Um, ha certainly has the size, the, the, the stature, the strength, all those things. His biggest um, probably 
piece that he's going to learn or need to learn coming in is pass protection, which is most offensive linemen. Um, he's probably my second favorite offensive line recruit behind Grant Bricks. Both are similar in that run blocking. They're probably ready to go now, which is which is crazy to say about a, a, a high school senior, but um, they both have a lot to learn pass blocking. The nice thing about both of those individuals, though, they've got the makeup, they've got the um, the measurables, and most importantly, they've got the work ethic and the mindset to, to get that down. So probably looking at a red shirt for Preston Tuomoa in 2024, um, get him in strength and conditioning program, uh, start to develop, learn under Rayola, and, and he's going to be a multi-year contributor down the road. So shifting away from Polynesian Bowl, that really for all intents and purposes, wraps up the 2024 class. Um, there was one new addition this last Thursday, Jordan Ochoa. He, um, not a not a scholarship uh, addition, uh, more of a preferred walk-on where uh, NIL will play a piece in that. Not, not necessarily an NIL type of scholarship, but obviously he'll receive NIL, which will help with some of those, those payments. Uh, 6'4", 220 edge out of Castle Rock, Colorado. Three-star prospect who is committed to Wyoming, decommitted in the fall. Um, really, he had several lower-level Division One offers early on. Um, maybe bet on himself. Uh, and didn't necessarily get those those later offers that he was that he was hoping for. He's a legit D one athlete for sure. Um, but this is this is a really good example where the power of Nebraska's NIL can be incredibly impactful. You're getting a scholarship worthy uh, edge rusher, um, but he doesn't count against the eighty five, and, and we all know the the limit that they're up against and the um, you know where they're at from a scholarship distribution perspective in the 95 96 range and so to be able to bring this a player like jordan's ability into the fold without putting him on full scholarship is is a huge cue uh coup for for 1890 matt um matt matt rule and, and just the coaching staff overall so walk on um three-star ed rusher uh just um kind of a, an incredible get under this really new school recruiting that is, you know, under the NIL world of, of college football. We hit last week on, on most of the transfers. Uh, Stefan Thompson and Jamal Banks now officially in the boat, announced by the, uh, by the team through, through Twitter. Uh, they're on campus going through uh, winter conditioning, um, have participated in all of the team activities this last week. So four of the five transfers we talked about now enrolled on campus participating. Uh, the only one we haven't heard of yet is Micah Mazuka. Um, haven't haven't heard if he's on campus or not yet. Just hasn't been officially officially announced. I do expect him there, obviously, for spring. Uh, speaking of spring, it's this this spring is going to be incredible. We've got 17 true freshmen early enrollees either on campus currently or coming to campus this week, uh, plus the six transfers, so 23 new individuals that will be on the team and and participating in spring ball. And so Matt Rule talks about competition, competition, competition. He talks about iron, strengthening iron, or iron sharpening iron. We're going to see that in the spring. We heard about the fall practices that were just, you know, at times bloodbaths of, of competition. You're now adding 23 individuals 
um, highly touted individuals at that into into the program. So really excited about some of those those spring uh, storylines that that will certainly be coming coming out here in the weeks to come. Um, next, from a football perspective, uh, got our got our anticipated staff announcement hinted at the hinted at this uh, the last couple weeks. Uh, Glenn Thomas now official uh, co-offensive coordinator and QB coach uh, talked about this previously. Um, with the anticipation of, of him joining the staff once the Steelers season came to an end, which it officially did on Monday. Uh, Glenn Thomas has a, a ton of tenure with Matt Rule, uh, started in Temple, goes back to 2015 where he was QB coach in 15, then promoted to OC QB coach in 2016, followed him to Baylor where he was co-offensive coordinator and QB coach for 17, 18, and 19, uh, branched off from there. Uh, went to UNLV as an OC QB coach, Arizona State in 2022 as an OC QB coach. Obviously, the turnover there from a coaching staff perspective. And so then that led him in 2023 to the Pittsburgh Steelers. Um, he was, I think his official title was offensive assistant or something like that. He, his focus was quarterbacks, though. Um, that what, what was interesting about this last year for Glenn Thomas was in week 11, Matt Canada, uh, Matt Canada, the offensive coordinator for Pittsburgh, was was fired. Several assistants were then were elevated, which Glenn Thomas was one. While he wasn't given, you know, the official offensive coordinator title from everything I've heard from behind the scenes, he had a very hands-on approach uh, to the offense, had a big voice in that room. You saw that offense turn around quite a bit over the last five or six weeks, which then led them into a kind of a late, late playoff run. Um we talked about Dylan Raiola earlier in the pod. Him and Glenn Thomas met um, earlier this week just via Zoom, kind of introduce each other, meet each other. What's interesting, though, is Glenn Thomas actually recruited Dylan Raiola when he was back at Arizona State. And so there's a little bit of an, uh, an established relationship there. And going back to a comment a bit ago about competition, you know, Rule talks about competition throughout the program. And and this is another example of that in my mind. Um, Marcus Satterfield now has competition, at least how, how I look at that. I mentioned in our inaugural episode, I'm not down on Satterfield from an offensive coordinator position. Um, I think when you look at the All-22, when you really break down film, you saw plays there, you saw opportunities there. Unfortunately, we didn't have necessarily the quarterback to to make those quick reads uh quick decisions and get the ball out where it needed to be so i am encouraged where where the offense can go under his leadership if for some reason though it it, it gets stale or it doesn't pan out the way that um obviously as planned you've got another individual on staff glenn thomas now that can call plays has a history of calling plays at a very high level has um, obviously the the trust and admiration of Matt Rule, and so I'm I'm excited about uh, these these changes. And so um, we we talked about before how you know with this move comes Josh Martin. Uh, he'll be moving back into an analyst role. Satterfield keeps his OC title, but will be taking over the tight end position. Um, this, this kind of goes back to August with Bob Wager's situation off the field situation where he 
He was removed uh, from his position. Josh Martin was elevated from an analyst into the tight end coaching role. He simply slides back into that role, but will probably play a big um, support role there for, for Satterfield within the tight end room. And so overall, this staff got a lot better this week. I mean, that's that's the bottom line. That's that's kind of the put a bow on the story, um, if if you will. You you add the um, experience and the expertise of of um, Glenn Thomas, and and this team desperately needed a, a quarterback coach. I I said before Satterfield, you know, his grade as an OC was um, TBD. His grade as a QB coach was enough, and. Uh, I don't know that he or anybody else would would argue that. Now, in his defense, he's not a quarterback coach. If you look at his history, this team now has a quarterback coach, uh, a very good quarterback coach. It's it's desperately needed, and so again, this this staff got got better this week. And so then the the conversation or the question ultimately is, well, what about Dana Holgerson? What's what's that update? No, no changes there. Um, we talked about it last week. Glenn Thomas was always going to be the quarterback coach. He was always going to be the name that came in and took an official role within that uh, those those ten on field assistant coaches. I think Dana Holgerson is still very much in play. Um, he would be coming in as an as an analyst. Um, I don't think there's any any hurry here on either side. Um, it's been pretty well s- stated that Holgerson. Uh, wanted time after his firing from Houston to sort of regroup, um, re-energize, if you will. And so then he's got to decide, you know, does he want to jump back in as an OC somewhere? I know LSU is open. Or does he want to, you know, be more behind the scenes as an analyst, uh, work with the likes of a Dylan Raiola, work with the likes of a Matt Rule, and then try to jump into another head coaching position after after this year. I, I don't expect a quick resolution here. I would expect this to go into early February, potentially. Um, but Holger, the, the, this addition of Glenn Thomas or announcement of Glenn Thomas doesn't change the Holgerson conversation at, at all. Um, still very much uh, in, in the plans. Um, that there's an offer there for him to join the staff as an analyst. Certainly hope he does. I think his his mind, his offensive mind, his preparation is is really unmatched within the college game. Um, it'd be a huge addition, but we'll 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 see and we'll continue to monitor that over over the next few weeks. I don't expect anything here in January. Probably more of an early February time frame there to to come to some sort of some sort of conclusion. Um, let's move on to Nebraska basketball. Um, just a gut-wrenching um, game Wednesday night in, in Piscataway. Uh, final 87-82 in overtime. Uh, Nebraska led by double digits both in the first half and the second half. They led by 11 with 739 left on the clock. Only scored four points over the last 730. Uh, zero field goals the last nine minutes of the second half. Um, was, was really an 11-minute <laughs> um run if you will of no field goals when you include overtime um just you know you come off of that win uh against purdue at home a week ago sky high (laughs) feeling for the program 
uh, where we're headed, thinking this thing's going to take off, um, lay a real egg defensively in Iowa City. Mentioned last week, I, that, that wasn't unexpected, but it just meant that we needed to get back on the horse here for Rutgers. It was the perfect matchup. They struggle offensively. Um, the, the boys had it going early in the first half, up 12, 13, um, somewhere in there. Uh, Rutgers makes a run, ties it up going into the second half. Um, really even wasn't worried at that point. Still felt like we were the better team. Uh, a good matchup. Uh, guys came out again, uh, grabbed the lead, extended it again, all the way up to 11, 12. Felt really good there. And and then the, the just devastating Jawan Gary injury in the second half. Uh, a lower leg injury at the time. I mean, non-contact. You saw him go down in, in, in just devastating pain. Really... You know, you hate to speculate on, speculate on those things. I mean, it, it looked for all intents and purposes like an Achilles or at least a, a long-term injury. Thankfully, Fred um, Hoiberg came out on Friday and said that it's a calf strain and, and he's day-to-day. Um, I, I think it's a little bit more than day-to-day based off of, of what we've heard behind the scenes. Um, he's obviously out versus Northwestern today. Uh, this this pod's being uh, recorded prior to the the Northwestern game, but we'll we'll preview that here in just a moment. Um, but this is this is I mean you, you go back to last year. Gary goes out for the season with a shoulder injury, um, was suspended the first what three games of this season. Came out um, was probably the best player on the team uh, thus far. Either him or Rink Mast. Um, in my opinion, the one guy that this team can't and couldn't afford to lose some of the things he does that don't show up on the, the stat sheet are just um, un, unmeasurable. And so you, you just put that all together and couldn't have gone any any worse in, in Rutgers. Um, complete domination on the boards, which was probably the, I mean, it, it, not probably, it was the biggest stat of the game. Um, Rutgers out rebounded us by 14 with 25 of those being offensive rebounds, uh, rink mass almost assuredly played his worst game of the year, four points, eight boards, two of 12 shooting, um, missed some real bunnies in the lane, couldn't grab a rebound. Um, I mean, pretty much everything that could have went wrong, went wrong. Rutgers even gave us a chance with three seconds to go traveling there on the baseline, A, a great, um, defensive of plan there to trap and and cause that travel gives us a chance with three seconds to maybe hit a game winner um not a great play drawn up or or at least executed going to overtime and just had a really bad feeling there with alec fouled out gary obviously out injured uh, rink mass then fouled out a little bit uh into overtime you just had no presence inside and then from there the rebounding got worse uh the guys are scrappy, though. Got to give them credit. Several times I figured it was over. Um, Hoiberg hit a couple threes there to keep us in it till the till the very end. Um, Tominaga missed kind of a desperation three to, to tie it up later, ultimately go go down by five and, and lose the game. So have to turn the page. Um, devastating loss, but you can't – there's still a big opportunity in front of us. Uh, from a net perspective, changes by the day. So mid-50s right now. Um, I've seen it to low 60s, but mid 50s. You got Northwestern this week at home. 
You've got Ohio State at home uh, next weekend, just two massive games. You've got to hold court at home if you've got any chance to make this season play out how, how, we, how we're all hoping and dreaming for. Um, kind of a bad matchup versus Northwestern. Gary will certainly be out. Um, Collins is is just a witch of a coach. I mean, and I mean that in all with all due respect. He he does more with less every every year. They're certainly an NCAA tournament right tournament team right now. Uh, you got Danny Knee coming back. You got a huge celebration there of some of those previous teams, which is what got me involved in in Nebraska basketball. I remember um, attending games in the Bob. Um, back in the 90s, seen Eric Piekowski, Jerron Boone, Mikey Moore, um, Tyron Liu, all, all of those fun teams. So it'll be cool to see Danny back in the building and see some of those, you know, Eric Strickland, um, maybe the best basketball player of, of Nebraska's time, um, back in the building and, and being honored and recognized as, as they should be. So let's, again, this is being recorded before the, the tip of the Northwestern game. Let's see how they respond. I do think they'll respond well. I just, I don't love the matchup. And so, um, thankfully it's at, it's at home. It's a, it's understatement of the, of the week. It's a huge game. If we can get this one kind of settle back, settle back down. Let's see how long Gary's out. And then Ohio state next weekend, which I think is a better matchup, uh, than, than Northwestern. So excited to, to see where that goes a little bit nervous, but, um, massive game and in, in PBA this weekend. And, and hopefully the place is packed. Um, loud and and we see the boys come out and play hard um let's wrap up with some national storylines won't take a lot of time on this um for me um two two things are of note uh this week first is alabama um just losing a ton a ton of talent now obviously they have a lot to lose but uh we've seen 23 guys enter the portal since january 3rd uh, 10 since Nick Saban's, uh, since Nick Saban announced his retirement. Um, not going to go through the list, obviously, but just a couple that are just eye opening, jaw dropping, even. Uh, Julian Sane, top overall QB in the 2024 class, so just got to campus a few weeks ago. Um, probably, well, not probably, depending on the service you look at, is one of if not the best quarterbacks coming out right obviously Raiola's got something to say about that um but he's he's transferring out said he um came to play for Saban Saban's no longer there so he's he's looking for another location he hasn't chosen where he's going yet uh same situation Jameer Grimsley 2024 commitment signee has been on campus for the last several weeks Going into the transfer portal, same situation. Said he wanted to, he came to play for Saban, not necessarily Alabama. Um, Caleb Downs uh, was a true freshman safety this year. Um, started as a true freshman, received several All-American honors, second team, first team All-American honors. Um, I've seen some people refer to him as the one of the best overall players in the game today. He actually announced this morning that he's going to Ohio State. So a huge coup for, for Ohio State. We'll see him coming up in 2024. Caden uh, Proctor, uh, their starting left tackle, was a true freshman out of Iowa. Uh, consensus five-star last year. Started as a left tackle, played all season. Um, he announced this morning that he's transferring to Iowa. Um, not sure that's the greatest decision for him, but uh, we'll, we'll see him uh, in, in November. And then Isaiah Bond. 
um, big time wide receiver. He, he announced he's transferring to Texas. So DeBoer's got um, obviously a, a, a lot of work to do over the next eight, nine months to solidify that roster. I'm not going to sit here and claim Alabama is going to fall off a cliff by any means, but uh, they're, they're losing a, a ton of talent. They obviously have a ton of talent. De, something to watch here, though, and, and I'm as big of a DeBoer fan as there is in the country, but he's not he's not known for a, a bit as a big-time recruiter. Go back and look at those Washington uh, recruiting classes. And now he's moving into the Southeast, and kids aren't coming to Alabama to, be, to play for Alabama. They've been coming to Alabama to play for Nick Saban. And so you think about competing now against LSU, Georgia, Auburn, Florida, um, even some of the SEC schools like Cle- or ACC schools like Clemson and Florida State. It's you got in Texas, right, and Oklahoma coming into the SEC. Um, I don't. It's not a guarantee that this train is just going to stay on the track and continue without interruption. It's it's something to watch. Um, again, they've got a ton of talent right now even with what they've lost uh they're not a top five team right now though i'll tell you that right now and i don't expect them to be a top five team in 2024 the key will be is can DeBoer surround himself on his staff with sec ties sec recruiters to keep the talent pipeline coming in to the level that they're accustomed to i don't know if that's even possible um, when you lose a legend like nick saban but one thing i know about DeBoer is if he gets the talent he can develop and scheme better than most in the game. And so something to keep an eye on. And then Jim Harbaugh continues to interview for NFL positions. Uh, He's interviewed for both the Chargers and the Falcons. I think the Chargers is probably the most likely landing spot there. Um, He's, he's a big fan of Justin Herbert. Um, There's also some news this week where where Harbaugh was still negotiating with Michigan and asking for some immunity there if if he were um, to be punished by the NCAA for some of these outside outstanding allegations and um, outstanding uh, investigations that are going on with the NCAA. I still think Harbaugh goes to the NFL eventually. I would say it's to the to the Chargers, but we need to let that play out over the next couple weeks. Um, the interesting piece on this from a Michigan perspective is the longer this draws out, it's probably better for Michigan. Um, you already know Moore is going to be the replacement, but when a head coach leaves, it opens up the transfer portal window for 30 days for that roster. The problem is, is or not the problem, the good thing for Michigan is a lot of these schools have either already started classes or will be starting classes this coming week. And so there's, there, there won't be anywhere for these kids to transfer to and enroll for the spring semester, meaning they're somewhat stuck, if you will, at Michigan until that spring transfer window opens up, which gives them an opportunity to really hold on to that roster as much as feasibly possible. So something to, to watch there. Um, again, I, I would anticipate Harbaugh ultimately um, landing with the Chargers, but uh, certainly nothing imminent or, or official there. So went a little bit longer today. I think we're up over over 30 minutes now. Just really appreciate everybody that's, that's stuck with us. Again, this is just our third episode. Um, trying to build this thing out. It's, it's clunky for sure. Um, you know, wanted to, to get through the winter, get into the spring, hopefully have more uh, items up and running 
really appreciate all the participation from those of you that that listen week in and week out. Uh, again, find us on Twitter x at Big Red Huddle. Find us on Spotify, iTunes, or YouTube, and then uh, BigRedHuddle.com. We've also got content uh, coming on the website. Thanks again for joining us this week, and we will talk next week. Go Big Red!